Are you I'm ready? Ready? <laughs> We're gonna do this. Story, one last thing. <laughs> on the upper right of your Zoom. Okay. On the upper left, rather. New word says uh, the little green checkbox. Click it. No, but does it say original sound for musicians on or off? Off. Can you do me a favor? Click it so that it's on. Yes. Okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's get started. <laughs> Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Long Form Conversations podcast, a podcast where we talk to some of my favorite long form improvisers. I'm your host, David, and today we are joined by a very special guest today. This is a actor, a improviser. Do you write? Nope. <laughs> a coach, a teacher. Anything else? Uh, no. Um... A chef. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, enough uh, multi-hyphenates. Uh, welcome, Dana Labosco. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thanks so much for, for stopping by. <laughs> you mind pushing up just a little bit? <laughs> like here? Right there is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, if you're just joining us, we got a, uh, had a couple of technical difficulties earlier, but we're good now. We're not going to make any more changes. I'm probably bad luck because I'm no help. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not bad luck. And honestly, this is my third time I would think third time's a charm, third time I would get it. But uh, hey, we're here and we're, we're, we're ready to do the darn thing. Uh, first, I wanted to uh, just quickly uh, start off with some praise. I don't usually do this, and I'm sorry to subject you to this, but um, I just have to say Dana is my improv coach. She's probably, and I'm not afraid to say this, I don't care if my other improv coaches hear this, she's probably my favorite improv coach ever. To be honest, you're probably the only improv coach that would ever even like listen to my podcast. I think you're uh, the thing that sets you apart that I really like is that you are just like so invested and so connected with uh, the teams that you coach. So if you have a chance, uh, take a class with her, hire her. We're going to talk more about uh, ways that you can do that later. Um, Thank you. Uh, That's so kind. I, I really appreciate it. Well, <laughs> it's the least I could say. And uh, you know, you've coached a lot of great uh, uh, teams. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> You've helped a lot of uh, improvisers become great uh, uh, teams and great improvisers, and uh, the community owns, owes a lot to you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, your your team that you're you're speaking to is the team that like really uh, helped me realize that like I love coaching and help me. You guys help me fall in love with it, uh, so I will give that praise right back. Uh, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to start off by catching up. Um, and uh, the thing I want to talk about is the grand opening of the uh, Shared Experience Studio, which yeah. uh, uh, we were lucky enough to perform at uh, on Wednesday. Uh, we had you guys up on Wednesday. Wednesday was so much fun. Uh, it's every uh, Wednesday at 8 and 9.30 at Lyric Hyperion. Right now, we're just exploring the show, but really, really soon, there's going to be uh, workshops and drop-ins and classes. So if you do improv or you're interested, uh, follow on uh, Instagram at the Shared Experience Studio, and uh, there'll be like a lot more stuff to come, uh, Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, have you performed at the Lyric Hyperion before? That was my first show at the Lyric Hyperion. That's a pretty cool space. I love how intimate that space is. It felt very like cozy, but when you were on stage, it also felt like you were on stage, which was very cool. Uh, was that your first time seeing a show there? 
I had seen shows. I had gone to see. I know that they do a lot of like one person shows. A lot of people like workshop mm. stuff there. So mm -hmm. I'd seen some friends workshop like spanks there. Okay. The um back in the day, but it was like a very different space than it was on Wednesday. Okay. The new owner Sean made it like it's just very like cabaret it's very like sexy in there it's very cool yeah like uh the the audience and the the stage is like right on top of each other so yeah it's like very uh like we perform on the floor and on like the little stage so it's it's different than any other space i feel like in la yeah and um i hadn't i have not been there before i don't i didn't know what it you know used to look like but uh it seems like it'd be it's perfectly designed for improv or stand up, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're really happy to have that be home base for the show for now. And we feel really, really lucky to be there. And the outside is really cool. <laughs> like, I love any place that has like a hang. <laughs> yes, that little, uh, uh, well, first of all, there's a bar. Hello. Mm -hmm. um, not enough places have like, even just a concession stand. So to even have that is great. Yeah. Uh, and then to have that little patio outside is very cool. Yeah, that was, it was really nice after the show, everybody hanging out like in between and there was like somewhere for people to go you weren't just kind of forced to leave mm -hmm. uh, so we we really like it for that um another thing i thought was really great about wednesday night is um i don't know if i ever told you this but uh, my favorite herald team is leroy really yeah um i remember when we first uh threw out names for coaches and they threw your name i was like, like wait a second we can actually get a coach from one of my favorite teams that's great but i've uh to be honest have not seen leroy do a lot of like non-herald sets most of what i've seen has been on herald night uh there was a there were a couple of shows like you know when ucb was still closed at the yard that i saw y'all do but seeing y'all play you know i i guess more loose maybe or a little less structured was very uh was very fun to see oh i'm so i'm, I'm so excited that we're gonna be like up in that space like getting to do it with leroy as well because before i was added to leroy they were my favorite mm -hmm. uh, team too uh so i, I shared that <laughs> being a fan of of uh, everybody that's on that team. Uh, so I'm really excited to have like a space that's like just experimental, just to kind of play around and enjoy each other's company and not have to like feel any pressure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also, uh, I said, I, I haven't seen you, but I did see you do first dates as well. First dates, such a fun, uh, such a fun show. Hopefully we'll get to do that more. Yeah. Uh, but I think we'll do something else for it. Okay. But uh, I'd love to do first dates again. That was maybe the most fun I think I've ever had on that stage. Is that that second first date show? Yeah. Well, whatever ends up being, I'll you know count me in to be there. I think it's fun when you see like truly like um, like skilled or truly like you know like, like I don't want to call you a veteran because that makes you seem like you know. hundred years. Yeah, but you're definitely still in your prime. But now that you have like all those uh, years under your belt, now it's like. Let's see them play with the form or play and be experimental. I think that's really exciting. I'm really like creative from like a creative place. I'm so excited uh, because it's the first time I haven't been Harold focused in the better part of a decade. So for me, like I, I get to, I'd like to like be new at things or like feel new at things. So I'm so excited to like be creatively back kind of in like a student, uh, like headspace and be like learning uh, what is my voice like in these forms when it's not so rigid, when it's not so disciplined? Uh, like, I, I'm super excited to get to like have a good growth spurt again. So um, I know you've probably been busy with a lot of 
uh, shared experience studio stuff. Are we calling it SES or SES? What's the <laughs> We've been calling it SES uh, in the group chat. So, but we, uh, we've also talked about like, we are not in charge of our own nickname. Whatever people will choose to call it is what it uh, will be. So careful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the, it's a mouthful of a name. It's the shared experience studio. So any acronym or I'm going to try to uh, pitch one and hopefully people will catch on. I'm going to call it shared. Let's just call it shared. You're going to do shared tonight. I took a, I took a class at shared. I love that. And uh, when I get out of here, I'm going to text them and tell them that we got to help help you spread this rumor. Great. Perfect. Um, so yeah, other than shared, what's, what else is new? Have you been up to anything? Um, the thing in like my personal life that's been bringing me like an unparalleled level of joy. Uh, my best friends had a baby a week ago today. Uh, and that has been, uh, just the best uh getting pictures from them and, and getting updates and he's the most beautiful little boy i've ever seen in my Aww. whole life uh so like uh everything with uh share experience and leroy but uh in like my personal life i am in my aunt era uh so hell yeah i've been thriving are you gonna be uh aunt dana auntie auntie what do you oh okay so this particular group of friends mm -hmm. don't call me dana mm -hmm. uh they call me Debbie, so I'm actually Aunt Debbie okay. to this this little boy. Okay. Uh, we all went camping and gave each other nicknames, and mine is the only one that stuck outside of that camping trip. So, uh, to Harrison, I will be Aunt Debbie. Okay, great. Uh, these are friends in uh, Long Island, or no, no, they're here. They're here in LA. They're, they're oh heck yeah, park right by me, uh, and uh, we all moved out to LA like right around the same exact time and have been super close ever since so i like to live near them kind of like living near family that's so great yeah like you know there's so many different experiences and like my favorite ones are the ones where it's like yeah i moved here met this person like my first week and instant best friends you know yeah the she the uh beautiful angel that had the baby is the person that picked me from the airport when i moved here we were roommates and she uh, accidentally moved out here like a week early and she mm -hmm. was bored and she was like, come, like come out early. So I moved out of my house at 18, like a week early and she picked me up from the airport and it's, she's been my best friend ever since. Now, were, were you friends before or was this a stranger's situation? We were completely strangers. We met on a roommate list. We started texting like right away. And I remember having like a, like a sidekick. <laughs> so we've been friends a really long time yeah uh but like immediately we're like we should be the ones to share the bedroom and like uh, and then we lived together for like years after that and now we i try to live in the same neighborhood as her, her family that's great that's awesome yeah if you can survive <laughs> switching over to at&t getting the iphone switching back to t-mobile whatever you're gonna that that friendship's gonna last i know that was really the like of all the things we've been through it was like switching from at&t to t-mobile was the biggest like, test yeah it's, it's a test of, of a friendship <laughs> all right great uh uh let's go ahead and jump into our uh first segment this is gonna be improvster syndrome um, I think I may have already explained this to you, but this is going to be the segment where we kind of talk about your improv journey, your origin story, so to speak, um, to kind of where, when you started to how you got to where you are now and, you know, just talking about some of the trials and tribulations and some of the feelings that you were uh, feeling, you know, going through uh, imposter syndrome, if you ever did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, cool. Uh, let's see. I moved to L.A. in 2008. 
Um, and then pretty soon thereafter, I took my first Groundlings class, so like 0809, and I loved it. I, I thought it was like the greatest thing in the entire world. I was, I was so ready to be committed to it and, and dedicate my entire life to it. Um, and my teacher um, asked me how old I was in a class. Whoa. And I was like, I'm 19. And he like rolls his eye oh, no. and was like, what could you have possibly done? Like high school plays, like come back when you're 25. And I was gutted. I was just absolutely heartbroken. Um, and then he added this like little addendum at the end where it was like, go to UCB, you can get stage time over there. Um, and I was like too kind of like in my head to like pursue any other. Yo, who was this guy? Uh, I can tell you after I'll say okay. uh, And it, it like crushed me. I was absolutely devastated by this. I was like, yeah. oh God, like what have I done? I like moved across the country. I like want to do comedy. And I'm, I'm already being turned away. Already being like, I've got nothing to offer until I'm at least 25. Oh my gosh. Um, was such a bummer. Uh, so but before we jump yeah. off of this topic, because this is, and I think I've heard this story before, it's such like a, 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 a like a defining moment, you know, for for you and, uh, and for anybody who would experience something like that. But first, what made you want to choose Groundlings? Um, like, because I, I think when I first came to LA and you know, um, just learned about the communities, uh, I I only knew about UCB because of uh, Amy Poehler's book. Had it not been for that, I would not know uh, UCB from a second city, from a you know, clubhouse. Uh, it was the only one that I knew. I didn't know, uh, I didn't know the difference between like short form and like long form. I didn't know, um, like I, I wasn't intentionally going to like pursue improv comedy. I was just kind of trying to pursue comedy. Mm -hmm. um, and I was taking an acting class and one of the teachers mm -hmm. there was um, a groundling like, back in like the OG days, um, whose name escapes me right now, but she was very nice. And she had told me uh, to go take classes there once I was like done with her class. So I was like, absolutely, I will do what I am told and I will go take this class. And I remember being, <laughs> I had like just gotten an agent and I was like taking this groundling class and I had like an audition for 90210, like the Ooh. and I was sitting in uh, like, a yum yum donuts and i was like this is it <laughs> all of my dreams are about to come true i'm gonna walk into groundlings they're gonna ask me what my age is and they're gonna say perfect, perfect. you're on stage <laughs> you're a natural we never get 19 year olds this funny so that feeling lasted like all of 20 minutes mm -hmm. uh and then uh, i was like politely asked to leave or, like wait the first no, not Class? the first day. No, no, no. I had okay. taken like a couple of classes and it was at this like apex of like you either move on to something called writing lab or you uh, like don't. So they let you stay for a minute. They took your money for a minute. They did. Yeah. And I wasn't terrible, but I wasn't good. I wasn't like a standout by like any stretch, but it was funny enough. Um, but then then that happened and I haven't gone back. I've never taken a, another class there. I've been thinking about it now. I'm 32. I'm maybe now I'm too old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so funny. No, I, I, I don't think you need it, but if you want to for sure, but that is, well, I was going to say that would be like, that would be a, like, it's kind of traumatizing, but you also come across as someone who's very strong. That's like, I'm going to attack that trauma. I almost drowned when I was eight. I'm gonna jump into the deep end of the pool now. It like it definitely like, crushed me at the time. Now I think if somebody said something like that to me, I would think it 
was hilarious. Like now I would find it so funny. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time I was just in like such a different headspace and so young, like didn't know any better than to be like, who the fuck are you? Mm -hmm. You bitter old man. You bitter old man. <laughs> to like try and break my spirit. I hope it made you happy. I did cry in my car. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, like uh, I always kind of had in the back of my head that he had like mentioned going to UCB, but I didn't go like right away. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I, I did eventually go. I took uh, level one at UCB and I loved it. Um, had so much fun. Um, really, really like enjoyed the atmosphere. Everybody was a lot younger in that class too. So like I felt like more like is everybody because he sends all the young groundlings he sends all, the young, all the people that like dare to pay six hundred dollars to his institution he just yeah. ships them over um and everybody was nice and people were like going to like get drinks after um and that wasn't really like the vibe in that first groundlings class it was like everybody was like like a working actor and it was like a lot more serious so i loved it um and i took 201 right away um and it was a disaster. It was so bad. Um, I didn't even do my two in one class show. I was so on my head. No. <clears throat> For those of you that don't know, at UCB, the one on one class is very warm and it's just, it's literally like yes and, and hey, you know, that person, you know, sets you up at a circus. So just do circus things. So you kind of are set up for success, I think, in one on one. Yeah. 201 is when they teach you game, which is uh, their, their like backbone, like their mast. Um, and it's so important, that's when they really, I think they kind of set you up for failure because you go your whole life not knowing this concept and now it's just like everything you do, all your decisions, all your choices has to be either on game or it's like bad or wrong. Yeah, um, and I was not like a duck to water with it. I was really, I was so bad. I didn't get it, I didn't mm -hmm. understand like, what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't understand like what happened between like that first class where I was like super successful and like everything was great. And like this one, um, and there were like a lot of just like really like intense guys in that class. It was like very like masculine energy. I remember people saying like bitch a lot in that class. Like, and granted this is like 2012. Um, but like, I just remember it being like, Everything that I did, I felt like everybody was like, she doesn't get it. So I, I was not um, was not doing my best work there. Uh, I decided to take my same teacher I took for 101 for 301. Mm -hmm. And then everything was like good again. Like it felt right again. I think it was like, was the combo of like, who's in the room can like really affect um, like your ability to believe in yourself if you are surrounded by like warm people who are um, not super competitive or like um, are there to have a good time, you're, you're probably gonna have a good time. Um, so I took 301 and 301 was super fun. Uh, and it was like, I think it was like right around Easter that my class show was my mom uh, got to see that class show. Oh, nice. Uh, which was really, really great. Um, she a fan? She was a big fan. She was she was always a big fan of my comedy. Uh, she loved the show. Um, and uh, Drew Singh was in my 301. 
Oh, cool. And I remember her just raving about how unbelievably funny he was. And she's like, that kid is a star. I was like, he's a star. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you could tell even like back then, like he was so special. How was, how was I mom? <laughs> <laughs> no, she really spends a lot of time just raving about how funny Drew was, but she, you know, she, she thought I was funny and she thought I did a good job, but made it very clear and did not do as good of a job. <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy you should try to <laughs> work with. He's so funny, Dame. No, really. He's very, very funny. <laughs> it's like <laughs> later that day, like at dinner. So what was his name again? Does he on, does he have a Facebook? She was like, that kid's going to be famous. Yeah. He's going to be famous. And he's on television. So of course, like, uh, she was, she was right. Um, and then, uh, she passed away really unexpectedly in between. Um, I think I was signed up for 401 and like had to drop it. Um, like a few months later. And then I kind of took like a year off mm -hmm. from like everything uh, when that happened. And uh, tried to go back to 401. So I didn't go through like the program, like uh, a lot of like, people I coach, they're like, they do it all like back to back. I really took my time. It took like three or four years to kind of like go through all of it. Um, yeah, because um, like you mentioned, you moved out here in 2019, started taking, so improv, uh, uh, has not been like a constant, like no. for some people were like, they're obsessed. No, it like wasn't, it was a very like slow burn and then like slowly and then all at once. Were you taking like other acting classes or were you doing stand up or anything like that? Yeah. Um, I tried stand up. Um, I killed my first time and yeah. never wanted to do it again. I was like, that was, I was too, I was, retire at the top. Why would I you? I was like, I'm just going to retire at the top. <laughs> I like, I think I did like two shows total, uh, but I like a team sport. That's mm -hmm. a big reason of like why I fell in love with improv. It was so like, just, just me up there. It didn't feel like, uh, nearly as fun uh, as doing improv, but I took like a bunch of acting classes. I would do like the casting workshops. I did like the Ivana Chubbuck scene study, which was awesome. Uh, she was smoking cigarettes, like in the room. She was super cool. And like, funny and that that class was was really great um and then yeah like i did that for like a while so it was kind of just getting my feet wet wherever i could great i yeah i'm noticing i'm starting to notice that more with other people's journeys um i think for uh what you know the people that you probably see at like uh, uh classes or any shows at that moment because they're kind of in it like they've kind of been I don't want to say obsessed, but they, they, they have been kind of putting in a lot of like their, their time in it and they're kind of living and breathing improv for that time period. Not to say it's always gonna be the case, but like if you're in the class right now, it's like, yeah, I just got out of uh, uh, 301 and I'm gonna sign up for 401 like right now after this practice group or whatever. Yeah. Um, so for you, it was much more relaxed and- Initially, but I guess like the second part of this is that did happen to me. It just happened like later. Mm, okay. Uh, so like a couple months after my mom had passed away, I was like drinking a lot and I was like super sad, like really, really like low point in my life. And I was um, definitely like a couple of years in and I was like, when was the last time like I laughed? Like when was the last time like, I had fun? Like, um, so I was like, let me see like what IO is like. Um, and I like, didn't want to go back to like 401 because it felt like too intimidating. Uh, and I took uh, James Mastriani's level one. I like looked at like all the teachers uh, and it just, I think was like the right class to like put me on like the path that I'm on now. 
Uh, before we jump into IO, I think this is very interesting. Like, because uh, 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 you, what it sounds like, and maybe uh, uh, it's, it felt different to you, but I felt like you were like at Groundlings, like just about to get into the 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 next track, which is their like writing lab, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of discouraged, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna start over. And then at UCB, you're kind of getting to 401, which is the you know, kind of like the last level for the classes. And you're like, you know what? No. So it feels like you're, at, what, I guess, are you comfortable just jumping around? I think a lot of people are like invested with like, you know what? I'm UCB through and through. I'm Growlings through and through. But you have like a ease about taking other oh, classes. Yeah. Uh, I never thought of it that way. That's so like, I never thought of it as like, I have to commit to like one ideology um, and like see it through um, like, all the way to the end because I didn't know like I didn't know what <laughs> path I was on I was just kind of like going with what was happening I wasn't like I think if I had planned to end up where I'm at I never would have gotten here mm -hmm. um I think it like happened through like a lot of hard work that happened on accident because I was not mm -hmm. like so like um what's the word like I wasn't I, like scheming yeah, like I wasn't scheming. I was just kind of I was trying to have fun and I was trying mm -hmm. to like do comedy and I didn't know any better. I didn't know that any place was like cooler than another place. I didn't know like that like there was a community. Oh, so at this point you're not like doing like indie shows or starting teams. You're not you're just taking the classes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I wasn't like super involved early on at all. Okay, I think that kind of makes a bit more sense because as yeah, if you are just taking classes, it's really just a place to give your money, you know. Yeah. So it's like yeah, there's no loyalty there yet. Yeah, there there wasn't any yet at the time. Yeah. Before. All right, so yeah, I want to dive into these uh, IO days. Uh, IO days. Um, that that was like very like all of a sudden everything started making sense. Um, starting to work with James, I started to understand all of it. Everything that like never made sense before had all of this clarity, I was like getting it. And then uh, got on like an indie team right away. People were asking me to like join practice groups and uh, do shows and play at the clubhouse and like do all of these, um, like, you know, the, the, the fun part of like the community. And it was perfect for me because I was like in a bad place and it was so great to have this like new energy injected into my life and I started doing drop-ins and I would kind of I took like level one through I think I was like six levels there was like five a and b mm -hmm. um and I took those straight through I interned um and like all in like the mix of that I finished 401 took like my first advanced study class and then like got on mess hall all okay. in like nine months really it was like a very fat it was like slow and then all at once it so was here's what we're talking about here's that thing where uh and, and really it sounds like uh you know credit to, to james mastriani but you're like oh i'm gonna do this like non-stop for the next nine months it was, yeah like i couldn't get enough of it mm -hmm. like, there were not um there was not enough drop-ins there was not enough practice groups like i could not get enough um and i can't stress like how like not great i was i was just in love and i was so okay like being kind of bad because i was <laughs> enjoying mm -hmm. it so much now were you um i've only uh, uh, uh io unfortunately closed um 
right around the time I was starting. But I did catch a couple of shows, and they had, what was it, three stages, right? Mm -hmm. So there, you could, in one night, see a lot of uh, improv. So was that also part of this? Were you, in the nine months, like, just also watching a lot of shows and, like, falling in love with uh, the art? I saw thousands of hours of shows. I saw so many shows. Uh, one of my best friends who I met in James's class, her name is Jen. She and I would watch Cook County, I think, every single week. I don't think I missed a week for, like, a really long time. Uh, we would watch The Reckoning. We would just kind of, like, hang out. Um, and then we were on DCT teams, which is kind of like, uh, like IO's mess hall. Okay. So like at that time there was like, we would have a show and then we would just like hang out and stay and watch. And you, if you were a student, you could just stay. Mm -hmm. So we would just sit up like on the stairs, uh, in like the old IO theater. It was like, there was this like big staircase. And then there was like an upstairs where you could like watch, uh, and then like a downstairs that had like all the other seats. And we would just sit at the top of those stairs for and there was a bar and there was a bar. <laughs> and there was a bar so you could um, truly spend the whole night there yeah and then like i would go see like a bunch of stuff at like i would see tons of heralds at ucb i was always watching um i would always go to cage match i loved cage match mm -hmm. um shitty jobs was like another favorite of mine uh so yeah i was like really bouncing back and forth between the two places a lot at that time all right great so you mentioned that you got on to um what was it called dct mm -hmm. uh what does that stand for that sounds cool it was the del close theater uh and it was kind okay. of like harold jr got it but so you were doing dct and you were doing uh mess hall um were these concurrently yeah concurrently i got on both in like the same week oh wow what a killer week the i was i couldn't i was so excited about yeah it. i couldn't believe it and like what was what was uh your feeling then were you like oh i'm I'm fucking good. Oh, I was like, uh, I'm a fraud. They're about to figure uh, out. Oh, no. Like, I, like, that, like, immediate, like, uh, validation felt incredible. And then immediately this, like, wash of, like, anxiety uh, came over me. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Scary. I'm actually interested to hear more about this. So <laughs> you get put on a house team. You don't feel 100%. What, uh, 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 if you don't mind me asking, like, what? Did that ever resolve or if it did, like what, what helped with that? Yeah. Um, I've got a very different relationship to my confidence now than I did back then. Like I was really under the impression back then that like, I could just become confident and it would be this like state that I could live at <laughs> where, where now I'm like, I think of it a lot more like joy where I'm like, sometimes I'm confident and sometimes I'm not, but I like will be again. I just happen to not be in this moment. Um, I was so freaked out. I got put on a mess hall team called Trish and everybody was so good and I was so intimidated and like I had taken like a bunch of classes, but like I had really only been like doing improv with any comprehension for like nine months. Mm -hmm. So I felt like so green uh, and then I met like a ton of people and I did so much boot camp during that time and that helped my confidence so much and helped me. Um, because a lot of my teammates are in there, so I got to play well with my teammates mm -hmm. and like build more of a rapport with them. But they were super advanced, and I was always anxious, feeling like, oh, like I have to like catch up, and I don't have the comprehension or like the the skill. My skill set had not matched yeah. my comprehension yet, so I would understand things better than I could execute them. Uh, and that's I think like a state that like mm -hmm. always kind of in. Uh, but I could catch up a little bit quicker now. Yeah. But 
I felt very, I was super intimidated. I think I initiated one scene my entire first run on Mess Hall. I was very anxious. Uh, and like, I think like toward the end, I was starting to kind of like find my rhythm with it. Uh, so the D, the the mess hall teams are temporary. Uh, was DCT also temporary? Yes, uh, it was a day. longer run. Um, it's like a little bit longer than the six months, but uh, not much longer. So they were also temporary. So what happened after that? Okay, uh, let's see. Um, I was put on mess hall the following year as well, um, and then I was in two more years and didn't get on. Um, onto Harold or Mess Hall wasn't placed on a team, and I felt like this the weirdest thing happened. Uh, my fourth year not getting on, I got this insane confidence boost. Like, I was like, I'm gonna keep doing this because I love it, and I may never be validated by this particular institution. Um, like, I and like not to say like it, it was an immediate thing, like, I was definitely like in my head and like upset like after putting in like all of this like work um so i think i i, I don't want to be misleading and saying like initially i uh, like wasn't like in my head and feeling bad but like a month or two later i had started doing like the best work i had done yet like i my scene work was better i was feeling really good i was like it's a whole year until i've got to like worry about this again mm -hmm. um and like maybe I won't audition, maybe I will. Um, but I was just kind of in like a place where I felt really good about like the work I was doing. And then that January, I got asked to join Leroy. Great. So uh, in that time, you know, and I think that that's where a lot of people find themselves. I think there's a lot of uh, gratification from classes, and you get passed. You do a grad a grad show, and you get the laughs. But then. Uh, uh, after that kind of ends, you know, there is like this limbo, this zone where it's just like, okay, I kind of have to make my own team, book my own shows, take classes, whatever. So what was your relationship to improv, uh, uh, you know, right before that? Were you, um, making any teams and like submitting yourself and stuff? Oh yeah. I mean, like I was on, I was on like a couple of indie teams, uh, that like played all the time. So I was like performing a lot. I... Uh, my one of my basketball teams uh, like had continued to kind of perform as well. I was doing like a bunch of stuff at like Sunset, not really like at Franklin at the time. Um, I got to do like uh, there was a show called like We Got Next mm -hmm. um, briefly, and I got to do that one, and that was like one of my favorite shows I ever did, and that kind of existed in that like in between time for me. So, uh, like, yeah, like, I was doing a ton of it and I was also practicing a lot. Like I had like a lot of practice groups. I wasn't in boot camp anymore. I had done that for like a really long time and kind of took like a break from that. And then, yeah, I probably had like four to five practices a week during my, like, down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your rebuilding era. My, my rebuilding era. <laughs> four to five a week? Yeah, because I was on like two two teams uh -huh. in practice, and then I would do like drop ins. And, yeah. and at that point, like, was your relationship like 
like for the love of the game type of thing, you know? Yeah, it was like, I uh, I also started booking like some commercials around that time mm-hmm. as well. So like I was starting to kind of see some like other rewards that weren't just Herald Knight. Um, so like I bought my car because I got like a Chili's commercial. And was, like, Hell yeah. I got to do this like uh, Emmy campaign for Hoo-Ha where it was like for Mrs. Maisel. So I got to do like improv for that. and. I was kind of like, okay, like, I was, I was starting to see some of the fruits of my labor, but it wasn't, like, the big thing that I wanted, but it was still, like, enough to be like, okay, like, I'm making money. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm doing good. Uh, and that definitely, like, helped that feeling. You know, that all encouraged you to be like, you know what, maybe I won't even audition because everything else is, like, working out well. Yeah, I will. The reason that I wouldn't was because, like, I was crushed and I was like, how, how often am I going to subject myself to this? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, how long is the recovery? And like, is this healthy for me to want something so much that's so out of my control? Um, which is a lot of performing and stuff, but I was just kind of looking at it um, from like a more mature perspective for the first time of like, maybe this is is like too much for me to kind of hold <laughs> every year when I like get disappointed like this. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think like you mentioned, like, had you not gone through what you've gone through, you probably wouldn't be where you are. Yeah. yeah, I like looking back and like everything happened exactly when it was supposed to. Had I gotten the things I wanted initially when I wanted them, I probably wouldn't have mm-hmm. like known what to do with it. I would have been back in like that same position I was when I got on mess hall right away where I was like so in over my head. And like yeah. by the time like I got to like do Harold at UCB, I was like so ready. I felt like I was super in my head, but I was like, I can I can do this from like a mechanical standpoint and mm-hmm. not like black out up there. All right, uh, uh, so that has been uh, Improvster Syndrome with Dana. We're now gonna jump into our next segment, which is going to be the topic of the week, which is getting laughs as a voice of reason. Yes, um, I... Uh, I love playing the voice of reason. Uh, it's probably my favorite, uh, like part of uh, doing improv is like that voice of reason spectrum. What do you think you like about it? I love like how earnest you can be in like the smallest, most subtle moments on stage, and how big the rewards are for telegraphing the smallest truth <laughs> to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, uh, I see a lot of the same tone for Voice of Reason, uh, where I think, like, what I found to be the most successful uh, has been, like, rapport. Like, knowing not just the relationship, but, like, the tone of the relationship and, like, how you emotionally affect each other, I think, like, will give you so much room for laughs. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I especially want to talk to you about this because I also like, you know, playing the voice of reason. I think a lot of times people sh- tend to shy away from it, but I think that uh, a good voice of reason can not only, like, you know, help the scene, but I think it kind of makes the scene sometimes. Yeah, uh, it, is, it is such hard work that you have to make look, like, absolutely effortless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to be super emotionally present. You're also responsible for a pretty big, like, portion of the writing. Um, you're also, uh, emotionally wrangling somebody into like resting, Mm -hmm. um, for the most part. 
uh, and you are really, really in charge of being the audience surrogate, mm-hmm. you have to also be like up there uh, showing them what they've already found funny mm-hmm. and like putting a voice to it. So it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting. It's a lot of heavy lifting. And uh, uh, the way that you phrase it, I think is really good. You call it emotional wrangling, right? You kind of do need to read them in because that other performer, they're really focused on playing the game, which they should be. That's their kind of end of the deal. Now your end of the deal is to make sure that we can rest it and find new ways, give them new stimuli to to play that game. But I think the thing that's tough about that, and especially for me when I first started off, is being funny while doing that. I think a lot of people think that the the voice of reason is there to just like kind of be the referee or to kind of be the the like the wet blanket to stop the fire. Yeah, it's like it's voice of reason, not voice like not like uptight voices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where like often the more relatable person is yeah. the voice of reason, but there's a tendency for us to not play them super relatable. It's like this kind of like fifties housewife that like we all become with like our hand on our hip. Yeah. Honey, don't do that thing. And it's like, have a sense of humor yeah. about it. Like, and I'm glad you brought that up because, like, the the reason why I think that a lot of people have that, you know, idea or that like uh, relationship to the voice of reason part is because you know so much of comedy I think is what we see and what we observe and and so much of what we probably are used to. And a lot of people that maybe if you're not if you don't watch as many movies or as many TV shows as I do, then you may be just used to seeing like old sitcoms where the voice of reason was the the, the 50s uh, housewife or some version of that. Or, you you know, you watch, uh, you know, n- not to diss on SNL, I do love SNL, like, uh, and I love their sketches, but a lot of their voice reason is just, hey, stop, bad, don't, you know? Yeah. Which, it, you know, because for the sake of time and being live, like, they gotta get that through. But for improv, it's not, it can't look like that. For improv, you have to slowly, you know, communicate that. So yeah. what are some, so I, I guess my point being is that, like, uh, I think that, people will appreciate or uh, have more fun doing voice reason work if they watch like more comedy and more dynamic duos where it's like, oh, wow, the voice reasons, like you, they can be funny. And in fact, they are the star of the show. Um, one of my favorites uh, is Jason Bateman in Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. The first couple of seasons, um, he's the voice of reason. And he's arguably the funny one because, you know, his whole family, I'm sorry, do you watch Arrested Development? I haven't, it's been recommended to me okay. so many times, and maybe this will be the time to watch it. No worries, I'm not going to... I know the character, yeah, I know, you know, like, yeah. I've seen clips. It's all, like, just wacky uh, uh, family members, but he's the one that's, like, and, and you see it um, done really well, uh, it's just he's labeling, it's like, hey, you're doing this, I need you to stop, or like, hey, you want to do this, but we also have this going on, and... For some reason, like that's what I, I at least I do. I think that's what's funny, just the way he's able to like uh, massively like, and it's it's in the writing, but it's also in his performance where he's just like, hey, I love you, you're my brother, you know. So I'm not like I don't hate you, but also what you're doing is gonna fuck up this and that. Well, does anybody on the planet suffer better than Jason Bateman? Like he is always suffering, and it's always funny. And that's why he's like perfect for it because. Anybody else, you know, uh, if they don't have that um, appreciation for it, they may have played, you know, they could have auditioned, they, they was played really angry or really hostile. Yeah. Um, but like you mentioned, he has a report, because these are, at the end of the day, his siblings and his parents, so, like, he has to be like, oh, I love you, but if you keep doing this, it's... You know. Well, think about, like, how often in our life, like, we're truly hostile. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 
not often, like maybe once or twice in like your lifetime are you like truly screaming your head off at someone. Um, so like, it's a lot more real to just be like sipping on your drink, like letting the audience know, like, oh, I'm miserable right now. Mm -hmm. But of course I'm not going to say anything. I'm at my brother's wedding or I'm dealing with my mother, like we all do. And uh, it's so much more fun to watch than somebody yelling at someone who's trying to do yeah. something fun. So do you think you, uh, uh, your approach to it, because again, you know, you are such a funny voice to reason. Uh, and now we understand it's, or not, we always knew, but like, it's deliberate. You deliberately do it. And you are also, I think, deliberately able to get that laugh. Would you say it's coming from your approaches, um, realism, or it's like to be as grounded or as emotional as possible? Um, yeah, there's this like great, um, concept that, uh, that James teaches, which is like feel first. Mm -hmm. So knowing how I feel, um, will kind of drive everything that I like every choice I'll make after that. So once I like receive an initiation, I'll kind of gauge, like, is this hurting anybody is mm -hmm. the question I like to ask myself at the top of every scene. And if the answer is like, no, I then decide like, okay, is this like an opinion or is this, um, like self-inflicted? Will I peas in a pod? Like, will that be like the, the path of least resistance? Or if it is a voice of reason, I try to like bring as much of like my relationships into the way that I interact with the unusual person. So if it's in like a customer service situation, like I know I cannot under any circumstances yell at this person, not like, like it wouldn't feel real or like earnest to me if I said no mm -hmm. in like a hard way. If I'm in a scene where I'm the voice of reason and I'm in a relationship, like I make fun of my boyfriend all the time. Like if he's doing something dumb. So I like, remember that, like if I'm with my best friend, which is this like big improv relationship that we see all the time, I try to bring in like the rapport that like I have with the people I'm close with, which is like, I still have a sense of humor, mm -hmm. still a person. So when they do something that might be like annoying, uh, I'm not gonna start screaming at them immediately, or I'm not gonna like tell them to stop, or I might like remind them like why now is like not the time, mm -hmm. um, while staying present in that way. Um, there's also like another philosophy that uh, I really like that's from James, which is the voice of reason is the lead of the scene, mm -hmm. and the unusual character is like this annoying sidekick, uh, and that really opened up a lot for me is like, okay, if, if we're doing acting, that's more akin to like a TV show rather than like an improv scene, mm -hmm. the lead of the series is the voice of reason. And these are the people that are coming in yeah. to be like a guest star in their life. Yeah. I really like that label when I forgot who I heard that from before, but I think that's really important to, to, to point out. And I hope that more, more improvisers will like, uh, be attracted to play the, which reason for that reason uh, that you are the star of the scene. You really are. And this person, because, and it's what you're doing, right? So it's like, if I'm a father trying to give advice to my son, I'm the star. I'm going to give my Oscar winning monologue to my son. But my, you know, my wacky son is going to be doing something weird. He's interrupting me. Yeah. So, like, as long as you keep that, like, no, 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 I'm trying to teach you about how to be a man, son. And then he's like, I know, but look at this farty fish or whatever. <laughs> 
party fish. Yeah, then it's like, no, son. Uh, listen, uh, it's kind of a you know a, 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 a real moment here. So it is, it is, in my mind, like uh, uh, it can be really fun as long as, but you have to commit to being that dad. You can't be like, yeah, party fish. Let's fart some more. And you also have to remember, like you have to keep doing comedy. So I think like where a lot of people stop the muscle, mm -hmm. the voice of reason, is just with the no. It's like. Yes, you've got to provide resistance, but you also have to provide stimulus for them to like do it again. You have to let the scene keep going. Like you can't be so hard that the person can't keep going. Like I see a lot of scenes get absolutely halted mm -hmm. um, by like hard voice of reason that, that don't need it. Very, I think very few scenes actually need that level of like no, but then they won't let them keep going. It's like, no, you have to let them do the thing again. People, yeah. and maybe that's part of it too. Maybe because like they're they're so committed to being that uh, main character that it's hard to like give back a little bit. But the, yeah, like at the end of the day, it's 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 tough to say this, but you're gonna be outshined by the farty fish. You're gonna be outshined by the fart. You have to let the fart have its spotlight. So now you have to. All right, son, let's go back to the dock. <laughs> that engine sounds like it's farting. You know, you have to find more farts. Yeah, you got like. It's like, what does the audience want? Like, I think like you've got to be aware of that too. It's like, what do they want to see? Mm -hmm. If they want to see me suffer, I'm going to find more ways for like me yeah. to suffer. If they want to see the farty fish, I've got to find another way to give them that farty fish. Yeah. Like, I am not in charge. Like the shared experience has dictated what I'm supposed to be doing in this yeah. moment. Uh, and then one last thing, one, uh, I guess, other type of voice reason that uh, I've seen you play a lot and I try to incorporate into mine too is just watching you suffer. So honestly, whatever they're doing, the unusual thing, it honestly isn't that funny, but what makes it funny is how you react to it. And I think that's, you know, in my eyes, like that's like the, the, the top tier voice of reason when, uh, it's your reaction. That's the funny thing. What do you think is like kind of some of the keys to that, to being the Jason Bateman, to be, to, to be like, you know, in pain or in, in, in annoyance, but still be funny. Uh, I think like joke awareness, what is the joke asking for? Mm -hmm. What type of suffering is this joke specifically asking for? And how can I provide specifics in the context of like, what's already been like shown. Um, and I like really try to like make an effort to like, never lose emotion to writing. So like, uh, if I like need a moment to write, I'm going to emote through the entire thing. And like, usually that'll buy me like enough laugh time to like figure out like what to do next. Yeah. And other times that is all you had to do in the first place. You're like thinking about what's the next move. And as you're emoting, you're like, Oh, that wasn't. And like X factor plays into it like a little bit as well. Like, uh, like I can get away with kind of like, like a deep breath and like an eye look or something where it's like some people might need to do more. Some people might need to like do less. Um, but if I can like show the audience, like I'm unhappy or I'm upset or, uh, while honoring like whatever, like the base reality is, mm. uh, while not making it like too big or too small, like just kind of staying right in like that sweet spot, I think is kind of the, the way for me that, that works. Yeah. I love that. That's like big leading, ener uh, leading lady energy where it's just like, I'm just going to 
roll my eyes and, you know, if you got that X factor, use it. Use that to roll, uh, eye roll. All right, great. Well, uh, thanks so much. Uh, I, I intended this to be more of a dialogue, uh, but, like, I, I don't know, like, learning from you, I think it's much better to just, like, ask questions. Be like, yeah, that is, like, a really great way to approach it. Um, but yeah, that has been our topic of the week, talking about uh, how to uh, get laughs as uh, the voice of reason. All right, one of our last segments is going to be our hot improv takes. Are you familiar with this? No, uh, you, I mean, I'm familiar with hot takes on improv, but uh, there's like something specific. Okay, great. Uh, well, it's exactly that. It's just uh, we're taking the idea of hot takes and we're just applying it to improv. Uh, and we're just going to go off about something that we want to see more of, see less of, or it's perfect. I don't want it to change. Like it's finally balanced. Um, and uh, we always just start off by saying, you know, hot improv take, and then you go off on it. Uh, would you like me to go first? Or? Oh, I have something that I used to see a ton of, and I feel like it's starting to like go away, and it's making me really happy. Okay. Uh, is I'm seeing a lot less high fiving. Oh, you got to start off with a hot improv take. Hot, oh, hot improv take. Um, high fiving is finally finding a place of homeostasis. Great. So you used to see too many or not enough? <laughs> not enough. <laughs> I still see too many, but uh, I'm starting to see less. I felt like every show I was seeing a high five. And why don't you like that? When was the last time you high five somebody when you just were on the same page? <laughs> this is going to sound so cheesy. Glass Town had a set last night, and after we went back to our seats, we all high five. That's different. Like, um, but that is probably like, like everybody's like, did they just? Is this their first uh, set? No, because you guys were on a team, and there was probably like some like actual like earnest camaraderie. When was the last time you were with like your best friend? and You were like, let's get cheeseburgers. And like, yeah, cheeseburgers. <laughs> okay, I'm one of I. I uh, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I do <laughs> high five a lot of people. Um, <laughs> it's more. Like I accept that it's unusual now, and I'm. I'm I'm gonna make a conscious effort to stop high-fiving in front of you. I'm gonna do it on the other sets though. <laughs> oh, I, I just like gaslight myself and be like, no, it's normal. Uh, no, I've i heard that before. Uh, Will Hines also says a lot, like he hates it. He'll stop a scene if he sees students high-fiving. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I, there's something that like very early, early, early on about being like, hey, we like agreed on something. But I think like it's gotta be limited to like an exercise or something. Yeah. It pulls me out of the reality so much where I'm like, there's no way two bridesmaids just high-fived. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> it's the flower or whatever. I forgot what it's called, but it's like, it's it's a cheap laugh because, uh, and I, you know, I, did you ever do short form? No. Okay, coming up doing short form, a lot of it is playing to the audience, you know? Mm -hmm. So a high-five will get people to laugh because because it is almost like a moment. It's like, um, gosh, I'm going to get real. Like, do you know uh, who Bertolt Brecht is? No, he's a uh, German playwright and he has a style of playing that was playing to the audience so let's just like his style this isn't like a good example but like let's just say the the mom just died in the play you know it's like they'll be like how tragic you know like it's called a Brechtian break you know where they they purposely break the fourth wall to to, to uh, elicit like yeah I should be feeling like this is heavy whoa I didn't as an audience member this is a bunch of actors. I don't know if it's heavy, but because they looked at me and told me it's heavy, like, yeah, okay, yeah, the mom just died. Uh, so I think a lot of that's just like, again, wow, we just did improv successfully, high five, and it lets the audience know like, oh yeah, that was impressive. That was impressive. What's your hot take? Uh, sorry, yeah, I'm rambling about. Uh, so my hot take. Um, 
Uh, hot improv take. Uh, sometimes it's okay to deny. I would argue that some scenes, especially like like clash teams or class uh, sets, you should be denying more because sometimes the realities get bent. Uh, what I mean that, by that is somebody may initiate and they think it's at a restaurant and then they're waiting for a waiter, but then someone knocks and says, hey, Wilson, we're going to get those reports in. And at that point, are we at a restaurant? Are we in an office? Is that your boss? Is that a, another patron at the restaurant? You can't yes and everything, because if you do, we're in crazy town. So you got to deny one of those things. So either you have to deny yourself and be like, sorry, I was having a date at the office. Or you have to deny your boss and say, you followed me to this restaurant on my date. You know, and I think that uh, it's great that we're teaching people not to, ye to yes and and not to deny. But at, to some point, uh, uh, especially when it comes to like mistakes that happen, you got to deny. You got to make the choice because the audience needs to know. Well, what's real? Is that denial or is that justifying? Because I would say <laughs> denying is like when someone's like, like, hey, honey, it's like, why are you calling me honey? I'm, you know, your boss or like, so it's like that like thing of like denying like base reality. I think is more where, where that where it's like, if that happens, yeah. like somebody like makes a mistake and like you justify it. I wonder if that's. Sorry, I think I did too good of a job. Because, because uh, uh, I'm speaking specifically to something I saw the other night where oh. someone, uh, you know, it's a similar, similar situation, and they just said, like, we're not at a restaurant. We're in the office. Oh. Uh, 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 and that, and I, I ultimately think that was a better move. Like, yeah. if, if you can, do, do it like me. Do it well and justify it, too. But if you can't, uh, the worst thing that I think you could have done for that scene is to be, to, to, abandon what your idea was or to 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 yeah. try to make both of them work be like you're gonna give the audience vertigo They're yes like, whiplash. what is happening yeah but and i got a huge laugh you know it's like no we're not at the office huge laugh uh and then like within the scene instead of like breaking that thing where it's like kevin can you pay attention to the sets that we're in right now please yes yeah and i think clearly, like, that was was good and that you know it was also an improviser laugh where we're like mm -hmm. That's funny because, you know, they, they, you know, changed the reality a bit and you had the course correct and it was funny. But uh, I like that move more so than, again, you know, oh, my boss is on my date or I don't know. And I had to get this off of this report done. And it's just like, whoa, this is this is a little bit wild. Here, yeah, you know? good luck finding a game in, in that. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah. Now it's now they got to find a way to justify it. And once they find you, they're going to high five. Oh, man, we pulled that one off. The report was on food. I'm a food critic. Oh, sweet. We did it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you shouldn't feel like you just like ran a marathon. But like, <laughs> the time you can like find the base reality. Yeah, 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 truly, it's just the base reality that we figured out. Yeah, you still don't have <laughs> The game is we're improvisers and we sorted it out. All right. Great. Thank you so much. That was our hot improv take. Uh, all right. Uh, last thing we're going to do um, is uh, the plugs. Really simple. Uh, tell me what you would like to promote. Great. Um, I would love if people could come out to fourth Wednesdays at seven to see Leroy at UCD Franklin. Um, let's see. Um, shared experience show every single Wednesday at eight and nine 30. Uh, your ticket will get you in for the whole night. So you're welcome to stay for the whole block. It's a really, really stacked lineup of teams. Uh, definitely follow at Shared Experience Studio on Instagram for class info, more shows, stuff like that. Are, are classes going to be available for sign up anytime soon? 
hopefully really soon. Like, hopefully by the time uh, this, like, airs, I could, like, text you, a, <laughs> a, like, a link for info. But uh, if, if not that soon, very yeah. soon thereafter. So follow shared experience if you can, because I'm telling you, those classes are going to go quick. I already know a, couple, a bunch of uh, uh, my friends and teammates that are willing, waiting to sign up. So as soon as it's up, you don't want to be late. You don't want to you want to get on the ground floor of this, baby. <laughs> All right, great. Well, thanks again so much, Dana, for coming in to speak to us and sharing us, uh, your story and just your expertise on voice to reason work. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye, everybody.